We're a unique podcast for families of faith. Produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them. A road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am your co-host and uh, recently discovered title, Headmaster, Pastor Brad Mathias. I'm here with Robert Beeson, who's not the headmaster. You're not the headmaster. Oh, yes. I'm Robert oh, yes. You don't even know what no. headmaster means. I am so excited about this. I've never heard that term before. <laughs> really? I really haven't, except in a Harry Potter novel. So, for me... The fact that you've never heard the title before means it. you cannot adopt that. You didn't even know what it Those meant until rules. 15 I, I, uh, minutes ago. No, Nick say, I get to call my own rule. Uh, so for that, I'm, I'm going to be the headmaster for this podcast, Go for and it. you're going to have to deal with that. Yeah. So uh, for, parents, for the parents you. who are listening kindly and patiently to your banter, uh, we want to welcome you this yes, season welcome. three. And uh, we've had a wonderful time this year. We've been walking through some really cool interviews. Yes. And I... I got to say that this is one of those interviews that we're about to have where I've really felt the Holy Spirit just push me to go here. So um, we're we're getting ready to dive into what we would consider a controversial topic, right? Yeah, it is. And um, I'm pretty scared of opening this Pandora's box a little bit because mm-hmm. it can be um, so polarizing. And misunderstood. And misunderstood. Yeah. And, and we forget the people involved, unfortunately. So I hope that um, our listeners can can hear that what we're talking about today is out of um, just real care for the, the people involved here instead of the any agenda or any sure. kind of labeling or whatever. So um, we are really grateful to have someone that I've known for a very long time, Thaddeus Hefner, um, who is an expert on same-sex same-sex lust. And I'll let you kind of explain what you do, Thaddeus, because I think that that's a really good jumping-off spot to kind of set the tone for who we're talking to and and why, not why you're qualified, but more like why it's relevant to. Sure. Well, thank you. It's well, great to be here. That was a terrible introduction. That's okay. <laughs> that was rough. That was actually rough. Well, um, Thaddeus Hefner yeah. is our guest today. He's an expert on same-sex attraction. He's a therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist in the Franklin, Tennessee area. And you've been all over media the last couple of years. You've led sort of the push to raise awareness about same-sex attraction and sort of a biblical view of that. So welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. Thaddeus. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Awesome. So as Robert was sort of stumbling into that uh, introduction, that's why I'm the, the headmaster. Master, right. Yes, that's uh, right. Okay. So, uh, you know. I wish we had more time because I have so many comebacks. For you. It's just we don't have enough time. To <laughs> write them down so and email just, them. That's okay. all I can say. Um, We're glad you're here, Thaddeus. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, so I'm. I'm talking to Thaddeus as not only a friend, someone that I've known, someone I respect, his work I've read, but also as a therapist that I've referred parishioners to 
from my own church. Mm. And so I have multiple levels of experience with Thaddeus. And so I am very comfortable saying to our audience, this is someone you should listen to. This is someone who has a really solid understanding of the issues. He's not reactionary. And he has some real wisdom to share with our audience. So if you're a, a wife or a mom and you are concerned about this issue of same-sex attraction somewhere in your home or within the sphere of influence that you have as a family, this is a podcast you should listen to maybe a couple times. So welcome to our show, Thaddeus. Again, how many times have we welcomed you, Thaddeus? About five now, yes, but he's the headmaster, so yeah. he can do whatever he's he your likes. Right. There, you go. there you go. I like this. Uh, well, thanks for having me. And just to jump back to what Robert said about a little bit of what I do and maybe a little bit of definition. Yes. Uh, so first of all, um, um, I differentiate between unwanted same-sex lust and um, gay identity. And I also differentiate between un unwanted same-sex lust versus same-sex attraction. Because at the end of the day, uh, every man, uh, every woman is same-sex attracted in a healthy sense. That's why men get together and uh, go hiking or grab a beer or, or have a Bible study and women get together and um, do a book study or go shopping or have um, serious conversations. They're, we're attracted to each other. There are also people that we're not drawn to. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of that's just normal every day. We all have healthy same-sex attraction. Um, so back to now unwanted same-sex lust versus gay identity. Um, so when I'm working with someone th with unwanted same-sex lust, they do not identify um, as gay or LGBT. They wouldn't put themselves under that umbrella. They're not bashing that umbrella. I don't bash that world. Uh, I, but I am there to follow the client. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist here in the Franklin, uh, greater Nashville area. So I'm going to follow that client, and if um, really what I'm working with is uh, they're usually greatly detached and carrying a lot of shame. Mm. Uh, but I just wanted to start there because I do differentiate between the I two think it's really important. for the audience to understand because um, there's so much rhetoric out there right. in the media saying, oh, you're trying to change people mm. or, you know, I was born this way and how dare you try to or change me. Anti-gay, you hate the gays. They're right. Yeah. And that is n nothing could be farther from the truth. Um, so I don't bash. Uh, and I have worked with clients that are gay identified before. Mm. And I don't tell them they shouldn't be gay. That would be unethical. Mm -hmm. And it's not my life. It's not my journey. It's their journey. So I do differentiate between the two. And so what we're talking about today is that group that fall under the umbrella of unwanted same-sex lust. They do not put themselves under the LGBT umbrella. Mm -hmm. And they don't want anyone, usually, typically, to put them under that umbrella. Because it's yeah. their path as well. And what I'm, what I'm grateful for is the things that you do or are a part of is, is not just caring for that particular individual, which you are incredibly gifted at, the person that identifies as unwanted same-sex lust. But you also have a lot of experience with the families that that affects. Yeah. And um, specifically, what we'd like to kind of dive into a little bit today is that mom that might think that her husband or son or daughter is dealing with this. And what are some of the characteristics that that wife or mother carries around? And um, one of the things we said before we go on the air was that a lot of people don't come forward and even say that they're dealing with this right? because they feel so much shame. Um, 
I wonder if you'd kind of unpack that a little bit just to basically set the tone for the parent that's listening that's feeling like I, I've never admitted to <clears throat> anybody that I'm wondering if my husband is dealing with this. Right. Because I feel so ashamed. Right. What would you say to that mom or wife? Sure. And I would also include in that group, not just the women that are wondering, but the women who know. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's come up or yeah. it's come. Yeah, yeah, but they just haven't had right. a place to go with that. Right. And so usually women feel very isolated. The reason why I can talk about this today is I do um, a wives healing group mm -hmm. in which um, I've worked with women directly in small groups around this topic. Um, so, and typically what they're, what they're they're um, presenting with is a lot of shame. They feel very close to the, if you will, to the bottom rung of the ladder in the church, mm -hmm. and they can't say anything, or they feel like they can't say anything, um, and so they carry a lot. They're carrying their husband, and they're carrying their own pain and wounding, mm -hmm. and then some of the other characteristics or the stories they tell themselves would be, um, am I not beautiful enough? Uh, did I do something wrong? Am I not enough overall? Um, how do I compete with a man? Mm. And so that's often what they're carrying and feel, and they also feel like they have no outlet um, to even share this uh, because they're going to be rejected or any number of stories they're telling themselves of that, of the outcome if they do share it. Um, and, and so they're carrying that by themselves often and what they don't realize is and, and where I try to where I try to work with women and getting them to understand that um, there this actually I want to be careful as I say this yeah. so uh, this actually has nothing and most of the time I can't say 100% of the time most of the time it has actually nothing to do with them. However, it's going to affect them. Mm. Obviously, how could it not? Right. So they're gonna feel all the pain and the shame and the consequences and the broken trust, and they should uh, feel pain and anger and sorrow and grief. Uh, however, those I'm, I'm speaking more to the questions they're asking themselves of, am I not enough? Did I do something wrong? Right. Because their husband was probably more than likely struggling with unwanted same-sex loss long before they ever met their wife. Mm. So how could it then have anything specifically to do with her? Like She didn't do anything wrong. It's right. not that she's not pretty enough. It's not that she's not loving enough. So that's basically... The groundwork the, was laid long before. Very much so, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that you said off-air before we started recording was, and sometimes it doesn't present itself even before the wife is involved or the, the woman is involved, it doesn't, it doesn't present itself as same-sex lust all the time. It, it can come from something else. It can escalate. It escalate. Yeah. That's the word sure, there are men in um, 12 steps, like uh, Sexaholics Anonymous, mm -hmm. uh, 12 steps that started out with an addiction toward, toward objectifying women mm -hmm. and using pornography, and then that may have escalated to uh, actually uh, acting out with women um, in reality and um, having affairs or one night stands and then the addiction can continue to escalate in their isolation and there are men who you could meet them in an essay meeting they have they'll share their story that some of those men have started uh, acting out with men but even they uh, I, I can't say for sure all of them but many of them would never identify um, as gay because they're doing that it's just the the um, escalation of the addiction itself mm. so there 
In fact, um, there are really what I work with, just to touch on men for a moment, um, when they're dealing with same-sex lust, most of the time what I'm seeing is a lot of detachment. Attachment's a fancy psychobabble word for love, connection, friendship. It could be romantic love, it could be friendship, parental, uh, familial love, parental child. Uh, so they're very detached, especially from masculinity, even their own masculinity. Mm. And they have very low uh, need fulfillment. Um, or, what does that mean? Or, or no need fulfillment. So we all have on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? We all have, we need water, food, shelter, gas money for mm. our car. Um, beyond that, once we, once that's all taken care of the foundation, now I need affirmation, approval, acceptance to know I belong, to know mm. uh, men see me as a man. Um, that's usually what I'm working with, with men. And they're so afraid of being rejected by men that they will connect uh, it, the method's unhealthy, obviously, but they, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll try to connect through pornography with men that way. And anyone outside of it looks at that and says, oh, well, are they gay or mm. are they LGBT? And they just don't know it or they're not admitting it to themselves. But most of the men I work with would say, I don't want to do that. And I actually don't even want to go and do what I'm seeing in the video mm. or in the picture. And it begs the question, okay, then what are you really struggling with? Mm -hmm. And they really do love their wives. Right. Um, and, and so, and they're, they're feeling shame. They don't know how to tell her if they haven't told her uh, right. prior to the marriage. Um, so I may have gotten off a little bit in the weeds No, that's there, good. And, and so what would you tell them? The, the wife that, you know, doesn't know exactly how to handle this. So that either she knows or she suspects that her right. husband's dealing with this. I'm, I'm sure there are some... I think you already said that it's nothing to do with you. Right. What are some of the things that that she can do in the home to start? What would you recommend? I mean, obviously, get in touch with you. That would be great. Or sure. come to one of the weekends. But just yeah. someone that, you know, is in Australia right now and is not going to come to Franklin. Sure. Are there things that you can say, this is, this is a way to start helping you in your home. Sure. At least frame who you are. Right. First of all, I'd say... Take the issue or the topic off the table for a moment. Put any other marital issue in there that could be explosive or that we're having issues with um, uh, with each other. And I say that just to express, what does your communication look like in the marriage? Are you talking? Are you actually being honest with each other? Mm -hmm. Are you avoiding each other? Right. So if you took this issue off the table, put any other issue in there, you're going to be dealing with the same kind of uh, stress level and probably hitting a wall with each other. Now put the issue of unwanted same-sex lust back on the table and bring communication back into it. So first of all, how's your communication in your marriage? Are you talking? Are you actually listening to each other? Mm. Or are you trying to make excuses? And that goes for both, because it takes two to argue, right? It takes mm -hmm. two to have a conversation. But so first and foremost, communication. Um, get to the bottom of it with your, with your husband. Um, and um, perhaps bring in a counselor, marriage family therapist or a counselor. Um, that. That's got to be so hard for a mm -hmm. wife to do ha, to create a safe place where a husband would actually admit to or like how do you how do you start that conversation? Sometimes it's a train wreck because mm -hmm. women are reacting rather than responding. Who could blame them? I'm yeah. not. That's not a judgment. It's right. just because um, they're so upset. 
And so in, if you're in that, if you find yourself in that place, I'd say, you know what, if you can take, get someone take else. a step back, take a breath, get some support. Support can be tricky because if they're getting support prior to talking to their husband, that brings in the element of what you shared some with somebody else about me. Uh, yeah. And so, um, which, you know what, if she needs to do that, she needs to do that. Um, mm. However, if you can talk about that with your spouse first, eventually I would encourage her, if, let's say we're at that stage where, okay, it's out now, uh, we're talking about it, and she is going to need her own support. Mm -hmm. And so, but I would still talk to the husband about that. And who are one or two safe women um, that you can go and talk to that aren't going to throw stones at your husband, that, you know, if you want your marriage to move forward, then um, you need people that are going to not just support you, but support the marriage, mm. um, because we're all broken in our own ways, right? So even she has her own brokenness that she brings to the table. Right. And so that's what I would say is, uh, if she can get support from one or two safe women, and by safe, I mean trustworthy and mature, <laughs> uh, right. you can be yeah. trustworthy and not mature. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, make sure you talk to even your husband about that and let him know this is what I need and here's who it's going to be. And so it, it doesn't send him spiraling like, oh my goodness, and uh, he's gonna take new shame messages on because now these people know. And and then of right. course, there's gonna be his work that he has to do. Um, right. Um, yeah, no. I mean, one of the things that I think is very important to stress here is that there is hope for people. Absolutely. This isn't, uh, this isn't a black hole that you end. just go in and you don't come out. That's right. Um, as a pastor, I've been able to work with several couples who've had to struggle through these issues, and uh, one of one of the things that I I really felt was a, a huge resistance is the culture's voice to the man and to the wife. Yes, that this is not something you can choose or uh, recover from. That right. it's just an assumption of DNA or genetic. Right. Science. And so they they will become uh, really resistant to working on it, as you put it, right. working through these issues that are causing these these attractions um, because they're going to sort of fall behind the defense that this isn't their choice. And so I think it's really important right. that uh, that uh, that both the man and the woman have an opportunity to speak with someone like yourself who can really trace some of this back to other stuff. Sure, um, and that they and, hear that there's hope, and that yeah. there's hope that yeah. this isn't uh, this isn't you know the end of the road for their marriage. It's not the end of the road for their their relationship. That there's, there's that a positive outcome. I think yeah. I would imagine that that's one of the things that keeps them from talking about it because it's scary. It, because it's scary, yeah. and they might view it as if I address the elephant in the room, it's the end. Sure, and. Um, and, and from what I hear you say, it's not necessarily right. the end. I mean, it, there's a lot of work. Right. But that probably keeps people locked up and not addressing things because they think if I do, that's automatically the first step towards the finality of our marriage. Yeah. And it's I like, I yeah, I mean, it's like anything else. And probably some of the other topics and issues you've covered in your, your podcast or uh, video blogs, uh, 
what's not scary to talk about, right? right? I mean, we have a lot of fear, fear of rejection, mm -hmm. fear of being alone, being left alone. Uh, where do we go from here? So don't even, uh, what's comfortable is the known. Mm -hmm. Even if the comfortable, even if the known is painful, mm -hmm. it's still comfortable because this I know how to deal with. I've learned how to mm -hmm. function in this pain. If I step outside of this pain and name it, I have no idea what's going to happen. Hmm. And that actually becomes a bigger fear than the actual living with the pain, uh, regardless of what the, the hmm. issue is or what the pain is. Right. Can I touch on something you just said yeah, about please. choice uh, and um, where, you know, how they got here and what both of you were talking about, even how, what the media might say, hmm. and, you know, did they choose it? Uh, Absolutely not. I would agree with that. But the argument is, um, they didn't. It's not that they didn't choose it because this is genetic. Even the APA, the American Psychological Association, would not say it's genetic. If you go to the APA's website, they'll even say, "Look, part of this is environmental. Mm -hmm. It has to do with upbringing. Part of it is biology, but uh, more about biological traits, not a gene." Um, so that is what social media media doesn't tell us mm. right um, the narrative and and so did they choose what brought them to this place absolutely not do they get to choose how they move forward in their life absolutely and so um it's mm. i think it's important for your audience to it's be aware of that as well yeah. right yeah, yeah that's helpful yeah because yeah, uh, uh, it can be very watch a while ago choice absolutely absolutely not choice absolutely um and so let's just put it on the table no choice right but you have a choice now right what do uh, i do with this what do we do with it absolutely interesting yeah and so the narrative unfortunately in in my judgment narrative in, in most of the media and or a great deal of the media and social media um uh, paints a story of hey this is this is who i am and um but i i'm more there's so much more to me than my sexual identity mm -hmm. right i have a faith i have a family i have friends mm -hmm. um uh, i have a personality and characteristic traits there's so much mm -hmm. i have shadow and i have light in me you know so there's so much more um to each and every one of us than to just say yep this is this is all i have and this is so it's, i didn't choose it and of course you didn't but you get to you make choices every day yeah. right so mm -hmm. yeah let's not get stuck on yeah that. yeah i think that's a very helpful distinction uh thaddeus because i think for a, a lot of christians for within the sphere of the christian culture i think there's just this sort of immediate jump from the conversation of understanding what's happening to judging what's happening. Yes. So the a lot of the Christian culture will just immediately s sort of draw battle lines. Like, yes. are you saying that's not a sin? You know, you'll get these kinds of uh, polarizing right. statements that start to come. And I'm, I'm sure that's probably why a lot of people don't talk about it at church. Because sure. there's, there's sure to draw fire. You're sure to well, get, it's what get we hit talked by about yeah. at length before we decided to do this podcast. Right. Yeah. Like, do we want to jump into this? Right. Because you know people will – they will put you on one side or the other. Yeah. This this becomes sort of a, a weapon for different agendas at that point mm -hmm. um, for people who really are trying to, to push forward something or, right. or promote their own thing. What we're interested in 
is providing hope to yeah. families that are struggling with this. Yeah. Um, and giving them a place to go yeah. for help because there's just not a lot out there. And so I, I felt like it was really important for us to introduce you to this audience, number one, and then to really begin the wrestling, like understanding, okay, what is the typical scenario? How sure. does how does someone move out of this and, um, you know, is there hope for them? How many, um, I guess the question would be for the mother or the wife yeah. who is really uh, sensing this could be a, ch- a problem in her life. Mm-hmm. You, you know, the idea of getting help, the idea of getting support, where would they go? Like, is there a place online? Is there a book they should read? What, where do they go to, do, to find someone that can help them? Yeah, that's a great question. There are any number of resources, um, and I haven't read every book, but just a couple of books that I recommend uh, that aren't necessarily the psychobabble-level books. They're more lay-level. There's a great book on um, uh, by an author and artist, Tim Timmerman, uh, and it's called uh, Faith, um, A Bigger World Yet, Faith, Brotherhood, and Same-Sex Needs. Right, so a lot of the anecdotes in the book are about men that struggle with unwanted same-sex lust issues. But if you pull that out again, if you pull that issue out, everything in the, everything in the book applies to men. Period, because it's about same gender, same-sex needs. So that's a great book, even for women to read to understand perhaps what's been happening in their husband's life, um, and uh, for women. Um, uh, uh, as, as far as a resource, uh, there's a weekend I know of. Now it's a peer-led weekend, so it's not a therapy, quote, therapy weekend. It is an experiential weekend, meaning you're going to go through some experiences on the weekend. Not, it's not just a, we're going to sit in a group and talk all weekend long. It's not that kind of weekend. It's experiential in nature, and it's called The Wives' Healing Journey, and it's put on by an organization called Brothers Road, which is brothersroad.org, O-R-G, and they actually have one coming up here pretty soon in the next couple of months, I think, here in the greater Nashville area. Um, it's welcome. Uh, women are welcome from all over, you know, um, so that's another resource for them. And it's to, it's specifically for women whose husbands, uh, struggle with unwanted same sex lust issues, uh, or, uh, women whose husbands have dealt even with porn or sex addiction. It doesn't even have to be same sex lust. Interesting. So that's a great retreat. I have staffed that once. They do have a couple of men that staff it. Let me clarify that it's run by women Mm -hmm. for women, but they do have a couple of men to staff to help with some of the processes um, there as well. So that's another great resource. Um, here, lo- if you're local, I do a, a, every now and then I do a wives healing group for women whose husbands uh, struggle with unwanted same-sex so lust issues. could they email you or find you on the web? They can find me on the web at ThaddeusHefner.com and, or email me at Thaddeus at ThaddeusHefner.com. Yeah, yeah. Thaddeus is spelled with two Ds and two Fs. Yes. Right. And a silent PH. I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh, man. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Don't do not do that. So uh, the headmaster is saying, don't do that. Okay. I, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm looking at this from the perspective not only of, of my own journey. Um, I've never struggled with same-sex attraction, but I – Lust. Lust. Never struggled with same-sex lust. But I have definitely had struggles with heterosexual sure. attraction and lust. Yeah. And I think, you know – 
the the journey that I had, I wrote about in my book, Road Trip to Redemption, right. with, with Tyndale Publishing a couple of years ago. You know, I got saved after having an extramarital affair. Hmm. Like my journey of brokenness has real similarities. And I remember early when I met you, we were having coffee and, and talking about that journey. And and the reality is that the the sort of progression of the sin or the progression of the behavior that I was caught in uh, was almost identical right. to a man who's caught in a same-sex lust that's right. Uh, situation. I thought that was really insightful and helpful to understand that. Right. So if your audience, yeah, yeah, if your audience could picture for just a moment, let's uh, uh, like a whiteboard, and on it you're putting different labels of presenting issues. So let's say one is uh, a, a sex addict or porn addict, and he's objectifying women. And then you have a guy who's struggling with unwanted same-sex lust. He's objectifying men. You could even put up there some other things, uh, alcoholism, uh, you could put up um, depression, uh, uh, just other presenting issues. Cover up the labels of those now, just kind of put a piece of tape over them all, and let's look at just the underlining issues. And you're going to see a lot of similarity. Uh, you might get a little dissimilar out there with depression or something diagnosable. But when we're looking at an addiction or something moving toward addiction or avoidance mechanisms, it's not always addiction. Um, they're going to look the same. So even if we just hmm. took I'm struggling with uh, objectifying women versus I'm struggling with objectifying men, cover up those two labels and look at all the underlining presenting issues, it's going to be very difficult to know which is which. You're saying in your studies, I mean, because most of us haven't walked through kind of an exercise like that, you're saying that what you have discovered is a lot of those underlying issues are identical or very similar. Right. And so for one man, it's manifesting as um, I'm struggling with unwanted um, same-sex lust, right. and for another man, he's over-objectifying or objectifying women. There's no right. over-objectifying. <laughs> sorry, he's objectifying women in a uh, in extremely unhealthy mm-hmm. ways. And so, but both. Uh, one time, um, I had a man who, because um, I give the the homework assignments sometimes that I give in my practice even are. I give the same assignments to men, regardless of what they're presenting with. I don't just see guys that struggle with same-sex lust. I often see men that struggle with that, but not just that. But I give the same homework assignments. And and sometimes men are asking, you know, back to the need fulfillment, I give a list of, hey, what do I need from safe men? And do I get those needs met? Hmm. Um, I give that to every man that comes in my office. And it's usually one of the hardest assignments. This is what they report back. Uh, it's one of the hardest assignments for them to do because no one has ever asked them to stop and think, what do I really need? Again, beyond food, water, shelter, what do I need from brothers, from mm-hmm. from safe friends, safe men, or mentors even, father types? Uh, it's um, affirmation, approval, acceptance, to be seen, to be known, to be heard, to be loved, to be cared for, sometimes healthy forms of affection and touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, most of the time, and so the homework assignment is, do I get the, or what are my needs? Then do I get the met yes or no, or some variation of percentage of yes or no. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's no or very low. Um, and usually, um, when that, they begin to work on community, safe community, and this I would say for women too, uh, absolutely, this isn't gender specific. Um, so for these wives as well, that's why we needs, they need a few safe women in their life to bear this burden and work mm. through their shame, who's safe. When those that need fulfillment begins to increase, 
I have, I, I can't guarantee anything, of course, uh, that would be unethical as a therapist, but I have often seen men's struggles diminish, their porn use diminish or go away, their, um, their objectifying diminish because uh, addiction or avoidance mechanisms are just unhealthy ways or often unhealthy ways to try Meaning and get needs. healthy needs met. So <laughs> I try to tell men and women, hey, you're, you're acting out whatever that looks like. Uh, could either be your shame or your teacher. Uh, it's been your shame long enough. What's it teaching you that you need approval, acceptance? And there's a way we get to that, right? We, we process what, what they go to. And when they get underneath it, they discover their needs. What was that again? Something could be your shame or your teacher. What? I, I tell them, so if a man is acting out, let's say, with gay porn or mm. straight porn, whatever, I hate all those labels, sorry. Porn in general, right? Right. I say, okay, great. So that can be your shame because they often feel, sh they always usually feel shame mm -hmm. typically after they're done looking at pornography. And so that's their shame or it can teach them. That's great. And so I can say, hey, thank you. I call it the addict uh, shadow archetype. And I say, hey, addict, thank you so much. What you actually just showed me when I really looked at why was I going there? You showed me that I'm lonely, I'm sad, I'm isolated. And I was just looking for anything to connect. Uh, mm. with, with human beings, even if it's on a video screen. Yeah. And so suddenly, for a few moments, I feel connected. And, it, and it's pretty hard to feel sadness when we're in our addiction. It's pretty hard to feel lonely when we're in our addiction. But then it all comes flooding back. Mm -hmm. And so what did the addict teach you? you know, let it be your teacher. And so then I can start reaching out and saying, hey, Robert, hey, Brad, I'm really lonely tonight. Could I talk with you? Could I have coffee with you this week? And reach out and start building safe community. Always safe, safe, safe yeah, yeah. people. Yeah, I, I love the fact that you are flipping this around and, and pushing in the positive direction. The idea that uh, the brokenness in our life can become a positive sure. is a, a really beautiful illustration. Right. I, I love that. And I think as a pastor, for me to to be able to have a place to refer people to is a wonderful resource. And I appreciate having you so close because I've been Thank able you. to take advantage of that. There are lots of situations that sure. a family could find themselves in beyond just what we've described today. There are sure. situations where there could be abuse or someone could have uh, come into the home and done something to a child and molestation or other sure. things. So the child then uh, sort of takes that baggage and those wounds into their adolescence and adulthood. And there's lots of reasons to see you. Sure. It's, it's not just this. And That's right. so I don't want to over uh, focus on this for you as a professional, because you treat a variety of conditions and, sure. and help a lot of people. So I appreciate you taking the time and Thank the risk, you. if you will, to come in and sort of uh, be present in our discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been great having you here. Yeah. Well, uh, if you've uh, benefited from from this conversation and you want to know more, we would strongly encourage you to go and, and check out the website that Thaddeus has. It's ThaddeusHefner.com with two Ds and two Fs, no PHs. <laughs> um, Thaddeus is a, an LMFT, which is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, he, he has a master's degree. He's not just throwing this off the cuff. It's not just his opinion. It's not just 
an idea that he has. He's been trained. He's uh, been in practice now 10 years. And almost, yeah. Yeah, right at 10 years. And so he's very experienced in and has a, a grounded view of this. And for the pastors that are listening to me, I want to encourage you that, that no one's suggesting that this isn't something that needs worked on. Uh, we're actually encouraging people to understand it and process through it. We're trying to save marriages, not divide them. And we're trying to reintegrate men back into the church culture. So that's our hope and that's our our desire. Robert, do you have any closing thoughts? No, this has been great. Thank you, Thaddeus. Thank you. All right. Well, God bless, and uh, we'll see you. All right. Next. Thank time. you. iShine is a faith-based ministry and media company that looks and feels a lot like a Christian version of Disney. iShine is more than entertainment. We're the producer of the largest Christian tween TV series in the world, a nationally syndicated radio show, a Nashville-based record label, host to multiple live tours and summer festivals, an interactive website and social media, and a provider of printed and digital devotionals, preteen Bibles, and church curriculums. But more than anything, we're a trusted Christian resource for parents and pastors. You can turn to us for all things Check us out at iShineLive.com. So, Robert, that was one of the more um, intriguing discussions I think I've ever had on uh, on this podcast. I agree. Uh, I every time I talk to to Thaddeus, I learn stuff. I mean, I'm writing notes down during. If you're watching the video of this, you'll see me writing notes. Yeah. Um, because it is so misunderstood, right, in our culture. Well. I, like I said at the beginning of, of this, it's just like I think we get we get stuck on the we we off ramp on the is it sin is it wrong is it whatever instead of talking about people and these are lives that are impacted these are like and so we simplify it to like okay are you in the club or are you out of the club are you like pro or against is this nature versus nurture and and I, that drives me nuts because I know people that struggle with this I love people that struggle or embrace this and the bottom line is they're people that god loves and that we're called to love and so um yeah it is one of those things that is misunderstood and unfortunately that pushes this further and further under under the rug so people don't talk about it that much so i'm glad that we're at least scratching the surface and and hopefully inspiring other people to talk about it without taking sides let's just try to understand the people involved with this yeah you know as i was uh listening to to some of the discussion, you know, I I found myself remembering I had a bishop uh, in our in our uh, diocese, and I'm an Anglican priest, and in one of the things that he said is he won't talk publicly with people about uh, homosexuality or same sex attraction issues unless they are hmm. struggling with this issue because it's just a debate then. It's just sort of a hmm. theoretical discussion. Sure. And so his his typical response when someone asks him is to say, why are you gay? Hmm. Um, and he asks it in two different ways. One is, if you are gay, he's asking, why are you gay? Two, why are you gay? In other words, he diffuses <laughs> the situation by making sure that the person who's talking with him sincerely is wanting to do something to change, to move forward, mm. rather than just have a debate or a discussion about right or wrong or theology or the sin of it. Um, I love that approach, and I've adopted it myself uh, as, a, as a pastor. And one of the things that 
that Thaddeus said that was really helpful is this addiction, is it going to be shame? Is it going to be your shame or is it going to be your teacher? Hmm. And I, I looked at that because his his focus is let's move forward. You may not have been able to control the factors that have put you in the situation you're in. You know, he didn't go into it, but a lot of those have to do with your father. They have to do with your mother. They have to do with your environment as a child, uh, things that were done to you, things that you saw, experiences you've had. Those things are all out of your control. But the one thing you do have is the future. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do with the choices that are in front of you today? Right. And I I love the fact that he doesn't linger in that sort of, like, he'll work through that in a therapy program. But as far as discussing this, the question is, there are options for you going forward. You you don't have to just be a victim in this situation. Mm, Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hesitate to add anything to anything he said, because first of all, I think so many people speak from a position of, I trust that he's because he's an expert in this area, not only studied, but has just been around this environment for a long time. I'm not. So like my voice into this, it's, you know, it's like going to like being a baker and telling a car mechanic how to run their shop. Like it's just, I'm so out of school. With this whole thing. So I'm grateful for people like Thaddeus that are brave enough to, because he gets a lot of resistance and a lot of hate for embracing these people and not saying that they're right, wrong, whatever. That, I mean, that is a part of the question ultimately. But where he, what he goes after is the heart of the person. And, and so I, th- I pretty much go, I'm just leave it with Thaddeus because I, <laughs> I'm out of school here. But yeah. I love, especially that analogy that he used about how addiction or I would say brokenness can either be our shame or can be our teacher. Yeah. And as a pastor, I think it's very helpful for me, and I'm speaking to other pastors, that you begin to look at same-sex lust as as you would opposite-sex lust, that mm. you begin to understand that the 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 path pathogenesis, which is a medical term, the pathogenesis, the, the uh, process of sinning or the thought process that leads to sin is very identical. It's a cascade effect. Mm. And so um, as a pastor, the way you respond to someone who's struggling with this is identical to someone who's telling you, hey, I'm struggling with porn or I'm struggling with lust and I'm looking at women and I know I shouldn't. You don't have to, you don't have to shift gears so much. It's much more common than you think. And so the idea then of being able to respond to them, not be afraid of them, the idea that you can engage in this discussion, Mm -hmm. that there are people like Thaddeus out there that can support and help someone through it, uh, really, I think, gives a pastor a way to react other than just rejection or isolation. Hmm. I agree. And unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people get rejected and isolated in their local church when these issues come out. Both people that are struggling with this or, and people that are in families that are struggling with this. Right. And one of the reasons I really chose to go here, if you will, for this episode of, of the podcast is because of how often I'm seeing it right. in my parish. And I'm a slice of the suburban America, like I'm not in a unique social economic situation. And so I know that if I'm seeing it in the small church plant that I'm a part of, then it is prevalent. Yeah. It's happening everywhere. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So we want to not make any political statements with this. We wanted to provide hope and encouragement and resources that you could check out. If you want a longer interview with Thaddeus on some of this, I would recommend the Pirate Monk podcast 
which is a, he he did over an hour um, in that discussion, and it's very helpful. It's easy to find with links if you just search out Thaddeus Hefner and Pirate Monk as your keywords. You'll have no trouble finding that. Well, I think as we sort of wrap up this discussion, wrap up this sort of controversial subject, I want to make sure that we're making every effort to be available to listeners. So if you're trying to get a hold of us, you can email us at info at iShineLive.com and uh, we'll do our best to respond in a timely manner. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been our pleasure to uh, be a part of season three and uh, we sure appreciate you listening and sharing and telling people about us. There's really no marketing budget. You are our one and only uh, supporter. So uh, we appreciate that and and, uh, anything you do to help be great appreciate you guys we'll see you next week parents remember even if you may not feel brilliant or brave you are for god gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control and i am not ashamed for i know whom i have believed i am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me second timothy 1 7 and 13 This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. Hi, it's Pastor Brad with Brilliantly Brave Parenting, and I am letting you know about a really awesome podcast. If you are a solo parent or you know someone who's solo parenting right now, have I got a podcast for you. A dear friend, co-host of our show, and my partner in crime, Robert Beeson, has started something really spectacular. Robert's here in the studio. Tell us about it. Yeah, thanks, Brad. So, Solo Parent Society podcast is talking to solo parents out there that are doing it alone. We uh, talk to other solo parents that are out there, talk about their struggles and insights that they've come across, as well as experts in the fields that solo parents deal with the most. I was a single parent for eight years, raising three girls. My co-host was a solo parent raising a boy and a girl also for I think about seven years so together we talk about these different topics and we have great guests either solo parents like I said or experts in the field so it's it's new it's authentic it's real it's raw and it's and it's super fun solo parent society podcast brilliantly brave is supporting and encouraging and endorsing what this is and if you want to check it out it's available what on iTunes yeah everywhere that brilliantly brave is awesome thanks what our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students 
or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions, that really it's going gonna, it's gonna to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith. That sounds very helpful, especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith, what they believe, what the voices of culture are telling them. If that's you and you're interested, go to iShineLive.com and check out in our web store the Shock and Awe Study Guide. It has a digital cloud video base, so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for $9, and it has four videos that go with four studies. It can be done in a weekend, it can be done over a month, or it can be done bi-monthly, however you need it. It is a fantastic resource that I have used as a pastor in my own home church, and I have been impressed. So, check it out. Check it out.